0: Hello and welcome to the next exciting episode of Pulp Today. I don't know which number it is, 20-something? Wine seemed appropriate for today. We're going to talk about what I will whimsically refer to as the first pulp story ever. Got a fresh copy in the mail recently and uh, was excited to read it. It's been one of my favorite books since I was a teenager. Uh, And it's got everything a good pulp story needs, aside from jacket lint. It's got... uh, Adultery, sex, violence, war, supernatural creatures, everything you might want in a story. But I'm just going to dive into it. Um, This is what I'm calling the, uh, the the first pulp novel ever. Tell me about a complicated man. Muse, tell me how he wandered and was lost when he had wrecked the holy town of Troy, and where he went and who he met, the pain he suffered on the sea, and how he worked to save his life and bring his men back home. He failed and for their own mistakes, they died. They ate the sun god's cattle, and the god kept them from home. Now, goddess, child of Zeus, tell me the story for our modern times. Find the beginning. All the other Greeks who had survived the brutal sack of Troy sailed safely home to their own wives, except this man alone. Calypso, a great goddess, had trapped him in her cave. She wanted him to be her husband. When the year rolled around in which the gods decreed he should go home to Ithaca, his troubles went on. The man was friendless. All the gods took pity, except Poseidon's anger never ended, until Odysseus was back at home. But now, the distant Ethiopians who lived between the sunset and the dawn were worshipping the sea god with a feast, a hundred cattle and a hundred rams. There sat the god, delighting in his banquet. The other gods were gathered on Olympus at Father Zeus' palace. He was thinking of fine, well-born Aegisthus, who was killed by Agamemnon's famous son, Orestes. He told the deathless gods, This is absurd that mortals blame the gods. They say we cause their suffering, but they themselves increase it by folly. So Agestus overstaffed. He took the legal wife of Agamemnon and then killed the husband when he came back home, although he knew that would doom them all. We gods had warned Agestus. We sent down perceptive Hermes, who flashed into sight and told him not to murder Agamemnon or court his wife. Orestes would grow up and come back to his home and take revenge. Aegisthus would not hear that good advice. But now his death has paid all debts. Athena looked at him steadily and answered, "'Father, he did deserve to die. "'Bring death to all who act like him. "'But I am agonizing about Odysseus and his bad luck. "'For too long he has suffered with no friends. "'See all around him, see on every side. "'Out on an island where a goddess lives, "'daughter of fearful Atlas.' who holds up the pillars of the sea and knows its depths. Those pillars keep the heaven and earth apart. His daughter holds that poor unhappy man and tries beguiling him with gentle words to cease all thoughts of Ithaca. But he longs to see even just the smoke that rises from his own homeland, and he wants to die. You do not even care, Olympian. Remember how he sacrificed to you on the broad plain of Troy beside his ships? So why do you dismiss Odysseus? Daughter, the cloud god said... You must be joking, since how could I forget Odysseus? He is more sensible than other humans and makes more sacrifices to the gods. But Lord Poseidon rages, unrelenting, because Odysseus destroyed the eye of godlike Polyphemus, his own son, strongest of the Cyclops, whose mother, Thusa, is a sea nymph, child of forces the sea king, and she lay beside Poseidon in a, inside a hollow cave. The Lord of Earthquakes prevents Odysseus from reaching home, but does not kill him. Come then, we must plan. How can he get back home? Poseidon must give up his anger, since he cannot fight alone against the will of all the gods. Athena's eyes lit up, and she replied, Great, father, if the blessed gods at last will let Odysseus return back home, then hurry, we must send our messenger. Hermes the giant slayer. He must swoop down to Odygia right away and tell the beautiful Calypso we have formed a firm decision that Odysseus has waited long enough. He must go home. And I will go to Ithaca to rouse the courage of his son and make him call a meeting and speak out against the suitors who kill his flocks of sheep and longhorn cattle unstoppably. Then I will send him off to Pylos and to Sparta to seek news about his father's journey home and gain a noble reputation for himself. The Odyssey. One of my favorite books, uh, recently translated by Emily Wilson, uh, and it's terrific, it's the best translation I've read of it yet. Not that uh, I have any ancient Greek to fall back on to know that uh, to know to know the accuracy of it, but as a as a work of uh, poetry and interpretation, it seems uh, seems spot on. So go pick up a copy, as I recently did. Uh, all that said, yes, I'm being a little tongue in cheek when I call it the first pulp story, but if you boil genre fiction, popular entertaining fiction. Down to its purest essence, what you get is the Odyssey. That's what's in there. That's what that's what we're all imitating one way or the other. And I'd like to connect it to another thing that I've been thinking about for years. the The way in which so much popular fiction leans on the idea of what happens to men after we make them killers. In the 70s, growing up, it occurred to me that the villain was always some brain-damaged sufferer from the Vietnam War, some veteran, and usually portrayed in a horrible light, and yet his, the guy stopping the serial killer, who's a deranged Vietnam War veteran, is also a veteran, showing you the bright side of military service. This pattern repeats over and over again. Film noir is about damaged veterans of the Second World War and the Korean War and they are hunted down by damaged veterans of the Second World War and uh, the Korean War. Gangster movies in the 1920s and 30s are, the first scene in the roaring 20s is a trench scene in World War One to tell you how all of these guys got the way they got. And you take that back to Westerns. There's always a guy wearing a the remnants of a Civil War uniform in a Western. And you go back to uh, Agamemnon, and uh, the, the plays of uh, Aeschylus and Sophocles and and Homer before them all, and it's all about a veteran trying to deal with what happened to him and the uh, the rough transition. Now Homer gives uh, Odysseus ten years to deal with uh, how he might have changed by war, and I won't say that it's a major concern of the uh, of the Odyssey, but it it hangs over everything, and the veteran experience hangs over pop culture in a fascinating way. That I don't know that any I'm I'm sure there's a thesis out there about it somewhere. It's just kind of something I stumbled upon thinking about uh, so much of the genre fiction I grew up enjoying. Anyway, that's it for today. Here's a little tribute to the wine dark sea, and uh, go read the Odyssey again. It's A bundle of laughs. For more information, visit pententaudio.com.